Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me today. It is a beautiful day here in Phoenix, about 80 degrees high. People on the East Coast hearing this will strangle me for hearing that. Uh, it's a little warm this time of year. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, before I start getting into mindless chit-chat, uh, if it's your first time tuning into Snake Oil Radio, uh, thanks for joining me, whether you're catching the show live or through the archive. Uh, I have been doing the show for about five years now and with different types of formats. Uh, again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, my expertise is in astrology and numerology and tarot and runes and all kinds of different oracles I've worked with for many years. Um, I do counseling sessions, navigational consultations with people here in my home office in Phoenix and also by phone. Uh, if you want any information on uh, booking a session with me, either here uh, local or by phone, which is not a problem. Uh, go to my website, jimventura.com, and get information about that. I'm also a published author of a couple of different books, and I do a monthly column called Snake Oil. If you're not already getting my monthly newsletter, email me at venturasag at yahoo.com. I'll add you to the newsletter and the mailing list so you can uh, get the newsletter each month. Um, okay, so again, got a couple different formats that I work with for the show. Uh, usually at the beginning of each month, I do uh, a live column read and then talk about that. Um, uh, I used to also do an astrology update show where I would take uh, after the astrology information what's going on with uh, current planet transits. Um, I would take some live calls and do free mini five-minute phone readings for people. Um, I'm going to still do that. That's going to be about every other month. I'm going to keep the Michael material classes going for a while and do those once a month. And, of course, I always do my live column read. Every other month I'll do the astrology update. Uh, and then uh, those will be the shows where I will take a couple of calls to answer questions. Um, later on, as these classes that I'm going to do now online about the Michael teachings kind of increase, I will probably reach a point where I'll be able to take callers who have questions about the Michael material, um, your own charts, things of that nature, and getting some information that way. But early on for the first couple of classes I teach, I'm going to avoid that. Um, but we will definitely get to that a little bit later on because I definitely want uh, people to join in and dialogue about this uh, information. So I'm very excited about doing the Michael teachings. Uh, I've mentioned it a few different radio shows before. Certainly people can see some information about this on my website. Um, Before I kind of go into explaining what the Michael material is, I want to talk a little bit about channeling, what that all means. Um, And before I go to that, let me just tell you that, you know, if you're just tuning into this, uh, really, I, I cannot recommend uh, the Michael teachings enough. Um, it is just absolutely life-changing. Uh, it's about this material that will be valuable to you, not only spiritually, emotionally, and energetically, but practically. Because the Michael material, in a lot of ways, is even a little easier to work with than astrology in terms of a basic understanding and it will help you to understand yourself, the world, other people so much better. I can't even underline that enough. Um, some people are going to really find the system fits with them, especially people that are a little on the mathematical or analytical, practical, logical side. Um, it has that dynamic behind it. Um, but just but anybody can really uh, benefit from, from learning the Michael teachings. 
So uh, again, can I recommend this stuff? I've actually done classes here in my home um, over the years uh, with Michael's students. Um, those have been amazing classes. I may do that again. Uh, I haven't done any in the last couple of years. I just have not had a lot of local interest. Um, I just think uh, recession affected people's choices and things like that. And uh, and a lot of my a lot of people on my mailing list now, which is getting kind of huge, it's about thirteen hundred. Um, are, are just not in Phoenix anyway, so they can't really make it. And Phoenix is huge if you've ever been here. It's so large in size that some people live on the west side. I'm more central. Difficult for them to get here. And anyway, lots of reasons for that. But um, if I do run these again, and if you get my monthly newsletter, you'll find out about that. I really would encourage you, if you're able to, be here for them. Uh, just a live class alone is really powerful uh, because you'll be seeing other people and comparing overleaves and You'll understand what all that means as we progress through the material. Um, so the good news is all information. There's no tests or anything you got to learn. Uh, you're going to really get a lot out of this. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about where the Michael material kind of originated from. Um, I started studying child material specifically in about 1980, I want to say about 1982, uh, 83 when I was humorously four years old. Uh, <laughs> obviously not. Uh, but uh, I was actually about uh, I was actually about 20 at uh, 18 at the time. And uh, that's when I started studying channel material. I originally really began to study the Jane Roberts channeling material uh, from, uh, from Seth. Awesome, too. I may do classes on that. And that's amazingly awesome. But Michael came a little bit later. Uh, probably around 84 or so when I started uh, I started to uh, pick up the first Michael book. Uh, you know, what channeling is in a nutshell is, and there was a big wave of this, specifically in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s where people were channeling, um, is, you know, a person is, the, a person in essence is the channel. In other words, you're speaking for a discarnate entity or multiple entities in that sense. Uh, they're not in a physical body, so they channel. Someone channels, uh, in other words, tunes into their vibration. In, in some cases, it's done through automatic writing or actual speaking. Uh, the Michael material was originally from Ouija boards, believe it or not, um, and then it progressed into writing as well as verbal channels that were able to do this. Um, you know, like anyone, if you're not familiar with this, um, it could seem a little bit hooey-ish. Not even sure if that's a word, but you know what I mean. Um, but here's the rub, guys. If you read good channel material, taking away from where it necessarily came from and just reading the material itself, like the Michael material or Seth material, things of that nature, the material is so excellent, um, so absolutely profound and valid and clear um, that you you have you have to eventually. Uh, accept the idea of, of where it necessarily came from. We're not necessarily wasting time arguing or wondering about that. Ultimately, it is the material that speaks for itself. And again, in the case of the Michael material, it speaks so loudly, so strongly, that you will, again, it, it's just going to rock you once you once you understand it. Um, uh, like I said, it's really just unquestionable uh, uh, from that angle. So there was a big wave of different channels, Lazarus, Ramtha, all kinds of things in the 80s. Uh, so again, late 70s, Jane Roberts uh, for Seth channeled um, uh, in the late 60s and into the 70s. Um, and uh, Michael seemed to originate around the late 70s, 79, 80. 
uh, I think was when the first uh, Michael book came out. So these, you know, at one point during the late 80s, uh, even to the early 90s, there were just tons of Michael channels, people channeling Michael, um, loads of books, magazines devoted to this. It was all over the place. Um, and uh, I still have a lot of these books and magazines and things that I collected at that time. Uh, that was what was most unique about the Michael material. Um, it didn't just come through one channel, which is the case for most uh, uh, channeled material. One person channeled it. Uh, again, Michael came through many, 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 many people. Um, you know, and, and everyone has a different slant on it, so to speak, depending on the channel, the person it's coming through. But the uh, material has still held pretty firm for the most part in terms of its integrity and its basic meaning. Um, again, very strongly. So, there, again, there was a whole wave of this going on at that time. Uh, I think there was just a big breakthrough from, you know, from the other world, so to speak, in giving us this information, giving this education, helping guide us uh, during that transition between the Piscean Age and to the Aquarian Age that we're in now. So there were uh, a number of reasons for this coming through. And, again, for me, uh, I, I've got a number, I've got tons of books on channeling, um, I really studied it just ad nauseum when I did, um, and so many great channelers I can and channel material I can talk about. But I really want to focus on the Michael material because again, it's just so easy to learn and so helpful in a practical way. So, okay, so when the Michael material came out, the first book I believe was called Messages from Michael by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough. And what's interesting about that? It's a very spooky book. There's like dead people coming off a Ouija board and. You know, and, and the cover says uh, the electrifying true story of the first contact with the supernatural messages from Michael. Um, you know, it says absolute smashing makes Seth speak seem like a kindergarten primer, uh, which is baloney. Um, it's just different slant on, on this information. Uh, but it was written by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough, um, who, you know, when you read the original book, um, and, and you probably still can find it. I'm, I'm sure it's still in print. You can find it in these bookstores. Um, if enough people request it, of course, Amazon will find it, recommend it. Um, they, they, had, they did a lot about disguising the, the people, <laughs> meaning the, the way the, the material first initially came through was at a party, I believe, somewhere in California. People were playing around with the Ouija board, and the entity uh, introduced itself and said it was named Michael, um, and, the, and they said, and it said that it was a collection of 1,050 souls who had already cycled off, left the physical plane, went through the reincarnational cycles, left the physical world, um, and were teaching from that plane. Um, and the last fragment, as they called it alive, was named Michael. So they said, "You can call us Michael." Um, so people originally started with the Ouija board. You know, the information was so profound that people took notes on it and uh, they started to meet regularly. But what's interesting and it's sort of clear in the book is this was really like in the closet. People wanted their identities hidden because they had jobs and they were stockbrokers and various other things and they didn't want anyone to know who the true identity was. You can see that they took a lot of effort to do that. So it's like channeling had to come out of the closet so to speak. Uh, and, and you, I, you know, if anyone's old enough to have lived during that time, you can understand that a lot of this was, uh, you know, uncomfortable for people. They were not used to this type of thing. You know, you didn't go into new age bookstores or bookstores like you do now and have that being one of the biggest sections, philosophy, new age. A lot of that stuff was, stuff was more hidden in the occult section. So that's where this was where I found it initially also. 
So, uh, so when you read the initial book, it's a great read, by the way. Um, really will impact you in a very strong way rather quickly. Uh, a lot of personal accounts, a lot of channeled information. So they basically would ask Michael questions, and he would answer um, it again. Remember, this is a collective of 1,050 souls um, speaking through, quote-unquote, one voice, um, and they asked questions about reincarnation and life on the physical plane and human personality and, and evolution and all kinds of different subjects and questions were asked. A lot of personal stuff people would ask. Uh, Michael would answer that just as without big profound questions, do UFOs exist? He'd answer that, and then someone would say, does my, the guy at work like me and drawn to me? Do we have a similar compatibility? He would answer that without hesitancy. In fact, a lot of people bitched about that at the beginning. You can kind of tell that they got annoyed by some of the more petty questions. Well, Michael even pointed out that none of your questions are petty. Everything you ask and inquire about is valid to you and may also potentially be valid to others at some level. And I thought that was very awesome. Uh, to not get caught up in everything had to be profound. Again, much of it is. So this went on, and uh, Chelsea Clinton wrote this book. Um, more and more people began to channel Michael. Michael said that specifically, that they would not only channel through one person to make sure that no one can own the rights to it fully. That's also why I can teach this as well without uh, copyright infringement, because there's no copyright um, specifically in the material itself, separate in the books, of course, but not in the material. It was, it was, they did it that way so it could not be contained or owned by any specific people. Another awesome thing, by the way, um, taking away a lot of ego issue, another reality behind that kind of stuff. So that the first book was followed by then more messages from Michael, another book called Michael's People, um, there were a number of books from Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough as a material advanced, and then a lot of other different channels produced material. Um, but a, a biggie in the Michael community, so to speak, was uh, Jose Stevens, who uh, channeled a number of books um, that are still available, the Michael Handbook, things like that, that uh, Dow to Earth, Earth to Dow, another book that he did. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Cannot underline that enough. And I also had the distinct pleasure of being, because I was in this when this was still at its heyday, I had the pleasure of actually being able to talk to channels. Um, I talked to Jose Stevens had a channeling by him once. I talked to uh, Shepard Goodwin. I talked to uh, a couple different Michael channels. Uh, once live and in person, I'll talk about that but in the future. Um, and also uh, one. So I had my quote-unquote Overleaves channeled and a number of other things. Um, Again, awesome, 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 unbelievable experience. Um, in fact, when I had the channeling by Shepard Hoodwin in New York City in about 1989, um, I went to see him, and when he went into trance and began to speak for Michael, it literally felt like the room was filling up with people. Energy. It was just the most trippiest thing. It just felt like people coming in from the sides, coming in from everywhere, um, it was a little scary, but not really, because the intent was very loving. It felt like they were coming in with a very loving, uh, uh, supportive uh, position. Really wild uh, experience for me to have been able to do, to do that. Um, so uh, I, I had some great experiences with that. 
but anyway, the, the material advanced and advanced, and it was all over the place at one point. Uh, a lot of Michael's channels making a living that way and channeling for people. But like anything, things come and go. Um, so there's still a lot around this on the Internet and things, but it just doesn't have quite the impact that it did you know, back in the 80s and the early 90s. Um, but the, the information itself is, is, again, is ultimately profound and useful and practical, and that's what I'm going to teach you guys about um, as we progress through these uh, monthly classes. So these are, again, free classes. Um, what I will uh, figure out how to do is there's a Michael chart for your overleaves. Um, I'll have to PDF that, and that way um, people will be able to request that from me. Um, if I can figure out a way to, to download it, which I'm sure I will, I'll be able to just email it to you at no cost, or if you want a tangible copy, um, I can just photocopy them and, and send those out to you for the you know really uh, oh, for the cost of the, the stamp. I'll probably just do that for a buck. Send out that material to people just to round it up. You'll probably send out some other extra material with it. Um, but I should be able to get it on PDF. And again, you don't need to be paid for this in that sense. This is something I'm doing because I love teaching it, and I really want to help people in their lives, and it, it really, really will. Um, so, okay, so that's some of the background around Michael uh, material, because I've had people say, oh, is it my, the Archangel Michael? And nah, it, it, it is. It, it's just that's what they claimed they were. It was the last fragment alive in a body. So when they use the word fragment, um, what Michael is implying is that we are, um, we go through reincarnational cycles, um, uh, no one does not do this. Um, you will reincarnate whether you believe in reincarnation or not. Um, it is something that is done repeatedly um, through what he calls uh, soul age cycles, from infant soul, earlier new souls, to um, older souls. Um, that has nothing to do, by the way, with chronological age. That's irrelevant. Those designations of infant soul, baby soul, young soul, mature soul, old soul have more to do with how many lifetimes you've lived. Um, so uh, this is something we're going to get into in a lot more detail, which will give you, because you'll be able to figure out what your soul age is, you'll be able to figure out what your friends are, your partners, your family members, things like that. Once you learn the system, you'll be able to nail this really easily. And I, I can't even tell you how useful it will be to understand the difference in people's soul age when dealing with them. Huge, huge uh, in terms of its value. Um, cannot stress this enough. So we'll, we'll get into all of that. But that was one of the things behind the teachings, again, was the reincarnational cycle and understanding how that worked. Um, also, there is a lot of material within the material about understanding human personality. In other words, Michael described it as uh, what he calls overleaves, meaning that when you're born you have certain overleaves that you will carry through the entire lifetime. Now, that won't carry through all of your lifetimes. You will change these overleaves in different lifetimes and in different circumstances. But the overleaves themselves, as he calls them, are, were chosen at a higher self level in that sense for the direction the life was meant to take. So here's where you start getting into a little astrological correlation with this as well, too, that in a very similar way, your astrology shows your uh, personality characteristics types. It doesn't make choices for you, by the way. Astrology doesn't. And Michael underlines that a lot repeatedly in his teachings, that everything on the physical plane is about choice. So there's also a tremendous amount of information about karma 
and understanding the dynamic behind karma, and I'm going to get into that with you guys in future classes as well. But right now, we'll stick to the introductory part of the material. So the overleaves, as I was referring to them, are things like everyone has a essence. Um, everything, by the way, in the Michael material is laid out in groups of seven, uh, like the seven colors of the rainbow. There's a there's a dynamic of sevens that you will see repeated. That's actually one of the reasons why the Michael material can be a little easier to learn than astrology, because astrology is divided into twelve cyclical patterns um, for the most part. Uh, Michael's everything's in sevens. So we'll explain that to you. Don't get all math scared. Um, it's not that tough. Although some of the books, the Joseph Quinn Yarbrough books, have chapters called Michael Math that can just make your head want to split open from the mathematical angles of it. But I'm like a math guy if I like it. But uh, some of it really even threw me. It was just intense, the, the way this all breaks down. So the overleaves are that. Everyone's got an essence. That's carried through, by the way, through every lifetime when you go through your cycle. Um, soul age, of course, that changes, of course, lifetime after lifetime as you would quote-unquote advance. Um, I have more to say about that. Um, then there are, everyone has a life goal, one of seven. Everyone has a modus operandi, the way they achieve the goal, one of seven. Everyone has an attitude, the way they view life and see life, um, one of seven. Then there are what Michael uh, refers to as uh, seven chief negative features, fears. Uh, the chief negative features are not, we're not born with them. They're actually acquired usually as we develop through, uh, as children and into teenage years and, and early young uh, adult years. We often will take a specific chief negative feature on. Most people take two, both a primary chief negative feature and a backup chief negative feature. And the whole purpose, of course, of the chief negative feature is to block you from moving effectively or pushing into what Michael refers to it as the negative poles. Um, I'm going to stop at some point referring to uh, constantly saying that Michael says, just assume that it's got to be part of the equation, so I don't have to keep kind of repeating that. But um, I think that that's important um, to initially recognize that I'm quoting the Michael teachings, of course, through my own channel, me. But um, I'm pretty accurate with this stuff. <laughs> believe me, I've studied it for a long time. And they talk about everyone. They're centering. Uh, some people are emotionally centered, some people intellectually centered, people, some people are uh, physically centered. Everyone has access to an intuitive center or an instinctive center in that respect. Uh, so he breaks all of this down and talks a lot about reference to what he calls positive and negative poles uh, uh, that we are able to, to designate. So one of the great things about learning, Michael, just even your own overlead, so to speak, your own chart, when you really fully understand your chart, one, it's going to be a series of light bulbs going off in your head in a way that is, again, just amazing because you just know and understand who you are. Um, but the other side of it is, of course, you begin to understand the difference in the positive and negative poles. And that is really, really useful because a lot of times people will misinterpret the value of the positive and negative poles, meaning they'll hang tenaciously to a negative pole as if it is a good thing. For instance, the chief negative feature of um, one of the seven fears of impatience has its positive pole being daring and its negative pole being intolerance. So many people who have impatience as part of their overleads or wiring, so to speak, um, can get caught up in being very intolerant of others and think somehow that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> 
being daring, having you know, being gutsy, being able to to kind of do things in in, in a you know in a in, a, in an energetic, positive, uh, dynamic way that can come through with some people who have impatience. Of course, can be good sparingly. Of course, uh, can be very useful. Um, so it gets fun to the positive and negative poles. So that's going to help you really, really understand yourself better, help you make better decisions and better choices because you'll know where you're coming from in that sense. Um, also, as you learn the Michael materials, we'll always start with our own charts, and then you begin to look at your children, your friends, other people around you, which, again, trust me, if you follow me in a couple of classes, you're going to get really good at this. Um, and that ability to read people will help you to understand them and even be more compassionate with where they are. Uh, for instance, you know, in a very real way, people, um, when you date, you may be attracted to someone, but find that you fight and you argue and you have difficulty no matter what. Michael refers to that as uh, as uh, conflicting overleads, um, which suggests the idea that you're incompatible in terms of your chart, meaning, you know, for instance, here's an example of this, if your attitude is a cynic, which is a tendency to view life through more of a negative perception, and you partner with someone who's an idealist who always wants to see the best in things and possibility, you'll typically find yourself clashing a lot. Sounds obvious, but it, it, again, you begin to understand the difference in these attitudes and your own in the way they operate and why you gravitate to sort, certain people and find them appealing and why other people can be you know, somewhat antagonistic to you as well. Um, so again, we'll talk more about that. You know, one of the things that Michael also points out is that to a large extent, everything is karmic, meaning every major decision we make can have potential karmic uh, repercussions behind it. In other words, what he talks about is when you're early on in your earlier lives, so to speak, on the physical plane, you have a tendency to be creating karma that has to then be paid back. For mature old souls who've been around the block, and it's been through multiple lifetimes, the tendency be more, is more to not create new karma, but it's to resolve it. So, just a little heads up, you know, when you look at um, people who are very obstinate and opinionated in certain ways about things, they tend to be um, baby or younger souls. Um, we're not talking every area. An old soul can be obstinate as well, too, and I'll get into that as, as well. But, you know, for instance... You generally don't find very many mature and almost no older souls who would be racist or homophobic or anything like that. It's just almost impossible at that stage of your evolution to see things that way. But yet for an infant or a baby soul, that is not abnormal or strange to have that perception. But if you think about this, if you're living multiple lifetimes, um, the more lifetimes you live, even if you don't remember them, which most people will not, um, you know, it's very hard to be homophobic when four lifetimes ago you were gay. You know, it's very hard to be racist uh, against, say, Mexican people when six lifetimes ago you were Mexican. So there's sort of almost a cellular memory there at some level. So that's why you will tend to see less of that among mature older souls. Um, and even certain young souls, because they've been around the block fairly long as well, too. So, again, you'll understand all of this. I'm going to make this easy for you guys, so don't have a heart attack if you're feeling a little overwhelmed by the material. Hopefully you're excited about it, because um, it is really worth uh, kind of kind of doing this. You're going to really get a lot out of it in the long run.
Okay, so I'm sipping coffee here. If you wonder why I pause sometimes, it's not because I have to think. But I try never to do that. <laughs> Kidding. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the um, the micro material and kind of give you some intro on the uh, the the beyond the basics. The what Michael calls um, understanding the dimensional planes that we exist on. Now, as I go through this material, I'm not going to spend a tremendous amount of time on this. Um, just because um, this is kind of the kind of stuff that can sort of blow one's head out of the water a little bit. I'll focus more of, the, of this teaching on the more practical stuff that you guys can use, but I do want to give you some of the basics of what Michael talks about, about our origins, about where we come from, about who we are, and how the, the cycles work in terms of the larger picture of our existence. So... Uh, again, according to Michael, again, I'm going to start letting go of that fairly soon, saying that at all, there are seven planes of existence. So um, now let me sort of give you some kind of understanding of what that is. The seven planes of existence are the physical plane, and then we'll move up through, and I'll talk about all these planes briefly, through the Tao itself. Now, the word Tao is going to be used by me, and it's often used by Michael, um, to give you an explanation of what um, God is. So that is, uh, it's uh, spelled T-A-O, by the way. I believe it's pronounced the Tao. Um, and uh, that's Michael's reference to the all, the conglomerate, the uh, you know God itself, the everything, the all, in that respect. So... What's actually happening is, what, what Michael says is, the Tao itself, God, again, for lack of a better way of putting it, wanted to understand itself, have experiences, so it it casts out, and you know, don't get caught in the cast as a negative, that's not what this is about, um, it casts out fragments uh, in that sense, and these fragments uh, then become larger soul groups, who break into smaller fragment casts, so to speak, and those individual lives that are part of these fragment, uh, these larger soul groups, uh, begin on a planet and begin to have lifetimes on that particular planet. So, uh, obviously, we're talking about the Earth here in terms of our um, physical plane experience, but any other planet in other solar systems, by the way, will have fragments that are moving through the reincarnational cycles, working their way back up toward the Tao as well, too. And according to the Michael books, there are just thousands, millions of planets and different um, experiences that, that are had in, in other uh, quite tangible worlds in that sense. And all of that is the physical plane. But the one point that Michael makes is that when you incarnate on the Earth, you don't then not born on another planet the next lifetime. Once you commit to the Earth itself, that is, in essence, where you will go through all of those lifetimes and then eventually, quote-unquote, cycle off and work your way back up through the other planes um, and work your way back to the Tao, becoming part of that. Although you're never not part of it. The only experience of all the planes of existence that Michael refers to where you cannot believe in God or be part of it energetically at some level is a physical plane. Uh, you don't have to, but you, you, you can. That's because there is choice and repercussion of choice on the physical plane. So that is the first basic um, understanding of, of what happens. So 
um, we, we, we agree, so to speak, have an experience, um, and again, on a physical plane, um, first lifetime, which would be technically what we call a first-level infant soul. Uh, by the way, there are seven life cycles within those cycles as well, too. You're going to hit with the number seven until you want to scream, but you'll understand why it fits so well as we progress through the material. So first-level infant soul um, will then begin its process of, of living lifetimes, move through a number of lifetimes as an infant soul, then eventually move through lifetimes as a baby soul, then young soul, mature soul, old soul, and then there are two other soul age cycles that typically don't manifest in the physical but are still connected with it that I'll talk to you about briefly too. But um, So that's the basic plan. Uh, once you've completed all of your lifetimes, um, and, 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 you know, people may do as few as 40 uh, lifetimes. People may do 2,000 uh, before they cycle off. There's no definitive numbers dependent on your own uh, soul experience and what you're choosing to do um, for that, that larger uh, experience. Uh, you may have many lifetimes. You may only have 40 or so. But, you know, anyone, so what's funny is anyone who tells you that they're a new soul, bullshit. You know, when you begin to understand the cycles of soul age, you'll know that, listen, even having a conversation with a first-level infant soul is going to be uh, tricky at best. Uh, in fact, uh, according to the teachings now, the youngest soul age, I believe, on the on the earth plane, on, on, the, on earth itself, is about fourth-level infant, um, just because there are no new souls coming here. Uh, it's too complicated. The average soul age is first-level mature. Um, on this planet uh, at this point in the game. So I, I don't want to get too caught up in the space stuff, by the way, because this is, again, just understand that if you commit to another planet, then you'll have experiences there. So we're not planet hopping. In the larger picture, yes, absolutely. Many, 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 many planets, many different types of life forms going through similar cycles and evolution as well, too. We're not going to concern ourselves with that. We're here, so let's focus on here. Um, in the system itself. So once all the life cycles, life, lives are finished on the physical plane, we quote-unquote cycle off, and we go to the next plane of existence known as the astral plane. Now, there are seven cycles within the astral plane as well. So by the way, whenever you're dreaming at night and you're either out of body or, um, or just dreaming itself, a lot of that dreaming activity takes place, by the way, on the lower astral planes. Uh, that is absolutely where we go. So one of the things that's really great is if anyone who's listening to this has any fear of dying or anything like that, Michael's going to eradicate that completely. You'll understand that there's no death. You leave the physical, come back again and until you finish up with your life cycles, and then you begin to incarnate on the astral cycle. Um, and the astral cycle plane, basically that's also where you begin to collect up um, all of your quote-unquote past selves um, and begin to recombine, so to speak. In other words, um, you have many, many different selves um, that are all part of you in some respects. So it becomes like this sort of larger party where you begin to find other parts of yourself, so to speak, and begin to recollect. All of this takes place on the astral plane. Uh, you know, you're not going to go looking for it. It's another plane of existence, and that's, that's equally valid, huge in its dimensions in that sense as the physical is. So from there, what begins to happen after the astral plane is the um, causal plane. Um, seven cycles within that plane. Uh, the causal plane tends to be kind of like um, 
like you know it's all about um it's all about cause and effect so to speak um by then you have recombined so to speak for the most part uh with your other selves in that way and become a larger entity and um again a lot goes on from the causal plane it's all about how matter is formed and worlds are formed and things of that nature as well too in fact the michael uh michael um made a point to express that it was teaching from the causal plane. That was why it was a collection of 1,050 fragments or souls. So, causal plane, many different experiences there. Then the next uh, plane of existence to our evolution would be the Akashic plane. Um, the Akashic is the record, the storage house of all information, all information of all worlds, of what could be, will be, has been, um, think of it as a library to the nth degree beyond your comprehension at that level of all information itself being stored, so to speak. Again, seven levels within the Akashic. Um, in fact, uh, I'm a scholar. You'll understand that as we talk about essence in later shows. And uh, scholars often are good at sort of tapping off the uh, Akashic plane. In fact, if I read for people, that's a lot of times why I will pause. It's almost like I feel like I'm opening up a book somewhere and getting your file, so to speak, which can be huge uh, amounts of information pouring in. And then i got to channel it clearly, hopefully. But uh, yeah, that's something that I do. Um, if your head is getting kind of a little overwhelmed now, um, so far that is normal, by the way. I felt that when I first studied this part of the material, too. Um, after the uh, the Akashic plane comes the mental plane. And the mental plane is really, you know, there is no more body. There's no more form in that sense. It's all about thought and mental um, perception of things. Uh, seven levels within that. Then there is the messianic plane. Uh, seven stages within the messianic plane. Um, Jesus, to some extent, was a representative or an energy pattern that was coming from the messianic plane, the Messiah. In case anybody didn't catch that, the word in that is really a plane of about um, love and, and caring and emotion. In that respect, again, all physical remnants of body are gone at that point. You're just a larger, a huger, larger spirit at that point. Then there's the Budaic plane, um, where ultimately matter itself is formed in that sense. Um, seven stages within the Budaic plane you will go through, and then the Tao itself. And the Tao is um, is God. It's everything. That's when you completely, ultimately recombine to God. So, uh, huge. Um, so, here's the thing I always kind of tell people. Again, we can really get into a lot of information about this more so, um, but, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tap on this from time to time, but understand that yeah, this is a great reference point I often will tell people. You know, like when people die or have a near-death experience and they say they saw God, you know, what, what they really actually saw is their own higher self, uh, which is certainly a bridge, getting closer to that. But at this stage in our development of a physical body, we can't see God. Um, it, it's just huge. It's so much larger and incomprehensible for us to experience. Uh, we can feel the energy of it. We can know it's there. We can trust that, but we cannot see it. Um, it is absolutely just a huge thing beyond our concepts in terms of where we are now in our development, and that is rightly so. 
We're not disconnected from it. We're just now a fragment in that sense, a piece of God working its way back to God in that sense. You can catch almost a lot of religious references to the idea of being cast out, so to speak, but that often takes a negative connotation, cast out because you're bad. Absolutely not. That's not what this is about. When you decide to enter a plane of existence and have lifetimes and evolve that way, it's more like a, you know, wow, this will be cool. This is amazing. Let me see what it would be like. Let's see what it's like to be a woman. Let's see what it's like to be a man. Let's see what it's like to be gay, straight, fat, small, rich, poor. Uh, let's begin that dance. So when we come into our bodies on the physical plane, in that sense it begins uh, our process of moving through revolutionary cycles and soul age, listen, we're excited about it. It's something we're choosing to do in that sense as a, as a, as a journey and experience. We know ultimately we will work our way back up to God in that sense, but we are, we, we, you can think of it as an adventurousness, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, and I think it is a way of putting it, uh, and, and that's really what we're, we're striving to do. Um, so that is, in a nutshell, the different planes of existence. So, you know, the takeaway from this is really, really look at it this way, guys. You are so much more than what you are in that sense, and you're connected to something larger than you in, in, in profound ways that you can't even necessarily grasp yet. Um, you begin to understand that the whole heaven and hell concept are very limited um, and not, you know, and, and there's no, you know, you're not going to pass from this world and, and be quote-unquote judged and get sent to hell. or There's no such existence like that. It doesn't operate that way. If you do terrible lousy, shitty things, you will have karma to resolve and pay back until you reach a point of neutrality and understanding about it again as well. Um, there is no punishment, no eternal fire and damnation. Ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. Uh, not part of, of any reality in that sense. Um, that is just little, again, religious kind of scare tactics here. Um, and there's no heaven where you're playing harps and floating around. You will go to the astral plane when you leave your body in this lifetime. You will review the life, um, make decisions about your next life, and then continue in your evolution and your growth in that sense and deal with the karmic repercussions of bad choices. And in a nutshell, we'll get a lot into karma. But karma, in essence, is when you take away another person's choice, you create what's called a karmic ribbon that will have to, at one point, be unraveled or repaid in that sense. So that's the the the, the dynamic behind karma, and we'll get into that in more detail in, in future um, shows and future classes. So, uh, I mean, again, that's the, the, the good side of it. Um, we are, in essence... Um, that comes into the physical, and we begin our reincarnational cycles or patterns, and uh, and then we grow and we evolve, and it's all very very fascinating <laughs> in that sense. But each time we're born, we will need to have an essence again, which is carried through for every lifetime. We'll talk about those in our next show. Um, begin to understand that, and uh, we will have what are called overleaves again. Uh, Remember, overleaves are that. They're your personality, they're your goal, the mode, the attitude, chief negative features, things of that nature. So we'll go into that into the next show um, um, and, and begin to talk about that. Uh, so, um, again, if you caught the show and 
a couple of shows in, you're probably going to want a Michael chart. I'll find a way to get that to you. You can just email me and request that. Um, that's often the best way to get me, VenturaSage at Yahoo.com, um, to get that sent to you. Um, again, if I can get it hooked by PDF, I'll do that. Um, but you'll need that fairly follow through. Okay, looks like we're, our time is up for our first show. I uh, hope you enjoyed the material so far. A lot more to come. Uh, and, uh, you know, please absolutely, uh, you know, pass the uh, the link on to other people, uh, especially if you know any other mature old souls. You'll understand that on our next show what that means, because uh, I really get a lot out of this. Um, and pass it along. These are my free classes to all my listeners. Um, I want to be selfless uh, in some areas. I enjoy doing that uh, astrologically. I've got a lot of 12th house stuff going on, Pisces stuff, so I think it's time to be selfless and do this. So I want to share this information with you guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the material so far. I'll be back at the beginning of March to do my next broadcast, which will be a live column read and discussion. And then I will uh, be doing another my goal second evening um, sometime in, in March as well, too. And I'll probably do an astrology update show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, email me at VenturaSagiYahoo.com to get added to the monthly newsletter. And uh, go to JimVentura.com to get information about booking a personal session. And if you want to get lazy, which is okay, and you want to just have me do your overleaves, do your chart for you, I do do that. You can catch the prices and info I'm doing that by phone or in person on the website as well, too. And also check out the website. I've got some uh, great uh, specials for March for new clients and the returning clients for reading. Uh, again, JimVentura.com. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Have an awesome day. Cheers.